you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Renata Porter. Welcome, Renata. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Fantastic. I'm super excited to have you on board today. We're going to talk about management as usual on the podcast. But before we get into all the fun stuff, would you mind letting people know how you ended up where you are today and what some of the fun things you've been doing in life so far? Great, great. I um, have spent the last, I guess, 13 years, well, 10 years prior to the last three, I had been spending uh, going around New Zealand and working in organizations to where, you know, basically I sum it up as a serial fixer. You know, I'd, I'd be brought in to fix a massive project, uh, build a team that's not working, work with managers that aren't working well together. And um, through that, I realized I really, you know, enjoyed it. I enjoyed um, getting teams to recognize each other and work with each other, getting managers to recognize where their gaps were and where they excelled and, and, and enabling them to be better managers. Um, and then from there, I kind of decided that um, I was going to go off on my own and actually do this as a consultant. And we decided to move back, <clears throat> excuse me, we decided to move back home from New Zealand. So I kicked it off when I moved here and I completely underestimated how hard it would be to start a business out of being out of the country for 10 years and not really having any recent uh, contacts to help me uh, get things built. Um, so it's been three years and I'm just starting to really get my stride, but boy, it was, it was a lot of mental anguish and there's still plenty of days of mental anguish of man, did I make the right decision? But, um, but yeah, so the last three years I've been working with a few startups and then I've really started to find my niche working with um, nonprofit youth sports organizations that really struggle with that whole leadership, who does what, responsibilities, how do you keep people accountable and, and you know, no, no different than um, any startup where, you know, where's your processes, why are you doing the things that you're doing, that kind of thing. So that's that's what I've been doing lately. Oh, that's very easy. You just tell people what to do and then they do it. Like, <laughs> You'd be amazed at how many people would just prefer that you just tell them what to do instead of them making a decision. So it's, it's pretty crazy, but. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things I really like, so you, you've been working a lot in IT, even though you're not IT-ish. And uh, mm -hmm. this is one of my, yeah, one of my favorite things is when people work in areas they don't know very well, because uh, I, my experience is you see managers as much better managers when they aren't the experts. Because the problem with a lot of managers when they are the experts is they end up doing stuff and they end up interfering in stuff they shouldn't. Whereas yeah. the benefit of being a manager in a place where you don't know what people are doing is the fact that you actually have to, I know there's a big word, but trust your employees. And yes, absolutely. That is something that's actually helpful to a lot of people. I agree. There's way too many managers that get sucked into the doing because they feel like they know how to do it right instead of pulling back and getting into the to the leadership role of discovering what is the right way, whether it's your way or someone else's way, and then directing people, you know, so 
Yeah, I agree. So I, yeah, I, um, when I moved to New Zealand, it took me a while to get work. And when my job previous to that was at Microsoft in Seattle, but it was, I was just a project um, coordinator working with, um, they brought people in across all the, all over the world to do their training before they sent them back out to where they were working. So they just, somebody just saw Microsoft on my resume and assumed I knew IT and I wasn't going to argue because I needed work. So um, I was thrown into project management work um, thinking that I knew about IT. And, um, and then I don't even have to tell you, even being out of work for a year, how far behind I was. But anyways, so I worked my way through it. And then just for some reason, I just stayed in that IT arena and worked my way up, back up. Um, and, and then I was the, uh, the last role paid role that I was working for somebody else was a director of an IT department. But I think that was mainly because, you know, just the recognition of being able to manage and pull teams together. Um, I had somebody that um, referred me in and um, it worked really well, which is really funny in meetings a lot of times because people weren't used to having somebody go, I can't give you the answer. All I can do is help you work through it and try to poke holes in it and let's make sure that it's the right answer, right? So um, they're very set back um, or put on the back foot of like somebody who's not going to tell them, no, it has to be this way. You know, I was always the, no, let's discover it. Let's figure it out. Why do you feel it's that way? Why do you feel it's that way? You know, (laughs) it's very different for them. (laughs) And and I guess IT-wise, right? Like, I mean, one one of my big benefits i used to work for ibm and xerox and big organizations and i did a lot of roles sort of in like analytics and with numbers and also working Mm -hmm. with it people and so on and the one thing i was very good at was to actually communicating right so the problem normally when you work with it teams is their ability to communicate in a way that other humans understand is pretty close to non-existing and uh, and i I, i'm sure that's also a huge benefit like having someone like yourself in an it department because you can actually communicate with the rest of the company right yeah well i think you know if i go back to my last job again i mean that was a big hurdle for everybody to get over is that i was really communicative i was um very conversational i i hated being the only one talking i couldn't stand it and I really started to doubt myself about six months in because I just could not get them. And there was a bad, it was a trust issue, right? So um, I could not get them to speak up, right? So that's when you like really need to dig deep and think, you know, like I was telling you before, I really believe a manager or a leader, a business owner, CEO, I don't care what role you are. If you have people who report into you, you have to connect with them on some level, right? So I think that um, I really had to dig deep and go, why am I not reaching these people? Why do they feel like they can't, you know, give me feedback? And I had to really, really I had to put it on the table just as that, you know, listen, I need your input. I value your input. If it doesn't work, okay, let's learn from it. Let's have a lessons learned session, a real one, not a bullshit one where everybody's afraid to talk, you know, let's have a real lessons learned and let's make sure we document it so we don't mess it up or learn, you know, let's learn from it so we don't do it again. 
And once I was able to do those kinds of things and like start paying it, you know, you learn your group. So you learn body language, you know, somebody's got something to say, but they're not saying it. So you learn to pull it out from them. So, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a big thing that a lot of managers and, and people who lead others don't really do and take the time to really like understand what's going to make the other person speak up, trust the environment, uh, put forward their best ideas and their best work, really. And, and I mean, yeah, I always say the most important thing is that you do as a manager is build relationship with your staff. Right, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. You, you're not gonna get anywhere near the best performance if you don't have a good relationship with them. And I always use the same example, right? But but reality is, if one of your friends phone you up and say, "Hey, you know, can you help me move this weekend?" Uh, if you say yes or no, it generally depends how well how good a friend they are, right? And yeah, it's yeah, it works the same way with staff. If they need to put in their best work, if they need to work a few hours extra someday, or, you know, if there's something where they really have to put in their extra effort, it depends how good a relationship you have with them. You, yeah. you don't need to be their friend. You need to, you need them to respect you and you need to have a good relationship with them. Right. And I think, I think what's a big problem is that, you know, you said it earlier where people become managers or, you know, they go to the next step in middle management because they know how to do something. We don't spend any time, but companies don't spend any time training on what it means to actually lead other people, right? People just assume because they know how to do the job, they know how to lead others. And they are two completely different things, right? And most people go in and it's like, it's very dictatorial. And even though everybody conceptually understands that that doesn't work, it's still the process, right? So what, what, is, the, what is the statement? Um, common sense doesn't always equal common practice, right? So you know that your approach isn't working, but you just keep doing it because you don't know any better. And that's, I put that back on our, um, on our leadership in these companies. Like they don't spend time and then if they do, they don't spend time training. And then if they do, it's so high level that it doesn't actually relate to the individual, right? So I wish companies would like make a focus about, you know, what is leadership in their company? What does that mean? And then like, let's bring it down into actual steps. Like, what does this concept mean for me or this person? And that way they can actually understand it. They can conceptualize it. They can visualize how it's going to work with this person, how it's going to work with this person. Um, And I think we do our people a great disservice. And that's why there's so many people unhappy at work. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but there's so many people unhappy at work. And that's just because they don't feel valued. They don't work in a trusted, you know, environment. Again, common sense doesn't equal common practice, and it's really sad. This is why I exist, and this is exactly the reason why I do what I do. Right. So, <laughs> so my biggest passion is is exactly that: training both business owners, but also managers within the business. Now, you're right. A lot of the time, business owners and high level managers don't spend the time training. Reality is, the main reason they don't is one: no one ever trained them. And two, they don't even often know why they do what they do. So even though they've done it for many years and they're not as bad anymore, they, they haven't spent much time thinking what actually makes them good. And therefore, they don't know how to train, right? right. So, so the fundamental for me, like I've walked into many, many organizations. I've worked in many organizations. I've 
worked in very, very large companies that do as equal a bad job as very small businesses. Re- yeah. Reality is just in the business world, there's not generally a sense of, of focus on training and developing not just the leaders you have, but also the leaders of tomorrow, right? Absolutely. And that is, for me, that's probably the number one business challenge that many growing companies face because they often end up hiring people from externally. Mm-hmm. And the problem is when you're constantly overlooking your own staff and, and favoritizing external people who might likely come in and might not have the skill set either, but at right. least have done a similar role previously, um, you are doing yourself a huge, huge disservice most of the time, right? And I Absolutely. see so many small to mid-sized businesses that are really struggling to grow just because there isn't a solid management framework. There isn't a solid way of... As a business, you know, this is what we do. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I think there needs to be a balance on um, promoting within and developing within because they have the institutional knowledge, right? And the institutional knowledge isn't always, it's always been done this way. It's it's always been done this way. What, what's your idea to making it better, right? So, um, or it's always been done this way, so you need to carry it on. It could be very um, regimental, like if you're building something, right? It, it probably has to be that way. So you wanna bring people in who have that institutional knowledge, but sometimes, you need to elevate your game and you survey and you look, you don't have it, you need help, right? So there's nothing wrong with asking for help and, and bringing people in to do to do whatever it is that you need need them to do. I think there just needs to be a good balance there. Yep. Definitely, definitely. And I, I what, what I always say and, and what I always do with my business is like, you, you need to develop the people that you need for the future. The problem is if yeah. you today, if you have a manager resigning today and you need someone to replace him, that is not the day to start thinking about who is that replacement, yes. right? You need to know that, right? If you have a manager leaving, you have to be very, very clear on who is going to do that job when that manager leaves. Yeah. And, and if, honestly, if you don't know that, you probably haven't done your job well as a business owner or as a, as a leader, right? I think with startups that they kind of get in that spin mode. And I say it all the time, quit looking at your feet and lift your head, right? Look forward, right? Quit looking at your feet. And I know it's, it's the problem with startups is they just like, they just, they, they plug and plug and plug. And then all of a sudden it's like, ah, I got so much business. I don't know what to do. Right. So they're always spinning. Like, how do I fix this? And then they, they get in that habit of, of not looking up and going, okay, so this is what we're doing. This is what I'm going to need in six months. This is what I'm going to need in 12 months, right? And sometimes they don't know, but I think if they actually gave themselves permission to work through it, set the time aside to work through it, they probably could, right? And that's where like somebody like you or a coach or a mentor would really, you know, really helps them to think forward and look forward. And then, you know, if it doesn't work out that way, it's okay. They got to be okay with things kind of not working out. But if you don't plan for it, it's definitely not going to work out, right? So, yeah. To the to the plan, that's one of the big things I see. So, so I believe fundamentally that companies need holistic plans that cover the whole organization. I see it so often in companies where they're like, "Oh yeah, let's double our sales and let's invest a lot in the sales team." <laughs> 
I'm like, wait a minute, what does that mean for the rest of the yes. organization? Yes. Right? And then what happens is then they get a huge bottleneck in operations or cash flow or whatever. And they're suddenly like, oh, you know, now we have all these orders, but we didn't think about having people to actually <laughs> the back deal How are you going to get them out? <laughs> right. Uh, and it's like, hmm. and, and that's why, like, it's so fundamentally important and, and really to drive a business forward, right? You need to have plans that are business level plans. And as soon as a company starts growing above a certain size, I see this time and time again where those departments are not they're being driven individually. It's kind of like, okay, sales manager, what do you want your goal to be? Okay, operations yeah. manager, what do you want your goal to be? And, and so on, right? And it's not it's not combined. It's not part of a plan. It is individual yeah. plans, individual goals for individual people. And you have no idea if they match up. Exactly. exactly. I think you're right. I think that's a good combination. Like if the, if the, if the senior management can set a direction and a plan, and then as all the department heads, you know, I may be talking about a big organization, but, you know, you have little organizations that got three people, right? So, but you still need their input of this is our goal. This is where we want to go. How are we going to do it? Does that make sense? How does that affect, you know, and then get everybody's feedback. So everybody's kind of marching in the same same direction instead of going, you know, trying to work it out because I planned it this way and you planned it that way. It's no different than, you know, I do a lot of, visions and values work with people. And I see a lot of time that it's just wasted. It just becomes words on a poster, you know, or little tchotchkes on people's desk. And I think one thing I do with my clients is I take a step forward and I go, okay, so what behaviors do you want people to, to do in order to live up to those values so you can reach your vision? Because I don't, until they actually like put that process in place and understand how they're actually going to walk the walk and ensuring that, you know, that walk, the walk is suitable from the top to the bottom, bottom to the top, that everybody can do this. People can start going conceptualizing. Okay. So what does integrity mean? That means that, you know, I'm going to be transparent, right. You know, okay. So what does that mean? Speak your mind, you know, in an appropriate way, whatever those behaviors are. So I think when, you start to model those and you start talking about those and using those buzzwords, you know, then, then it kind of like puts the, the values into action. And I think that's a big thing that's missing. I think, you know, really with consultants a lot, it's all about hot too high level. It's all about theory. And I can't, it drives me insane. You know, no, no, no. I want actions. If you don't, if I don't leave you with you knowing exactly how you're going to march your way forward, then I haven't done my job. All I've done is collected money from you and left you in the same pot of confusion. Totally so, agree. And, and sorry yeah. for the other consultants that who may be listening, but that's just how I feel. You know, I just I, feel I, like I, we do we do people a disservice by not actually working through the steps and going way too high level. Yeah, the the problem is when, and that's sometimes also just the company's problem but when you're not responsible for implementation then in 99% of the case things won't be implemented right and I think like as a coach I mean I I'm pretty proud to say I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of people and I've never had an unhappy customer that is also because I pick my I pick my customers right so again like I work with people where I know I will win I work with people that, you know, I know are going to benefit from what I do. But the whole thing is that 
you know, if I'm seriously in doubt, like I'm not going to work with them. And it's not because I don't trust myself, but it's because I want to make sure that customers have a solid return from working with me. Because yeah. if they don't, then it's not worth their time and it's not worth my time. Yeah. So I guess what I'm hearing is you're saying that that you work with people who are willing to be open to hearing what needs to be said and to developing an implementation plan. I mean, that's a... Yeah, I mean, the, the, the fundamental you know, piece for me is is making sure... So, so often what I do is I, I don't just work with the business owner. A lot of the time, you know, you have consultants mm-hmm. sit down with the business owner and say, oh, you should do this, 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 and this, right? The way I typically operate is I work with the business owner and their management team. And basically make sure they all have a solid management system to follow. Uh, And it's relatively simple, but the whole thing is when you have a system as a company that you can march to, then the whole world just becomes an easier place, right? And it's not a a lot of the time, it's not about complexity. It's not about all these fancy words. It's about, you know, simple things. You know, how do you put the right people in the right jobs? How do you have the right meetings and how do you you know how to build relationship with your staff and you know how do you hire and fire people and it's those basic things that when you have a solid system for that as a company then the likelihood of you succeeding is just it increases so much right i'm with you i'm the same way and often if you work on with just the management their perception of what's happening and why things are happening is usually really skewed it's not accurate (laughs) You know, so it's having those conversations with the management and then building the bridge of going, okay, this is what you see. This is what they see. Sometimes they're at odds. Sometimes it's like a big, oh, <laughs> I didn't and I, understand or know that, you know. And that's exactly so what I, that gap, right? that's exactly what I enjoy when I talk yeah, with both the business owners and their staff, then like being able to have those conversations because you can ask people, oh, have you talked with people about this? And they'll be like, yeah, yeah, totally. And they obviously, they 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 either haven't or they haven't gotten the right responses from it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, but um, I, I think generally, I mean, putting ideas in people's heads is great, but the, the biggest problem that I see if if you leave people with something to do, particularly busy, busy entrepreneurs and smaller business owners, then often it doesn't get done, right? Even if they know it's the right thing to do. So like a lot of time, you really have to help with the implementation. You have to help with the follow-up and so on, right? Yeah, I feel like a lot of times, like I just um, left um, an organization in California and I feel like a lot of times I become an accountability partner, so to speak. Right. So it's like that constant follow up. Okay. So did you do X? How did it go? If it didn't work, don't be afraid to tell me. Let's just work through it. Let's figure out why. Let's try something else. Or is it because you didn't understand and, you know, that kind of thing. So I think a lot of times for me, and I actually, that's part of my proposal with companies is that, listen, anything that I work with you on, you have me for a year on that. Right. So I'm with you for a year. I'm committed to your success. I don't want to just plop something on you and then walk away. It doesn't do either one of us any good. So um, I'm committed to work to working with these companies, you know, and I think, you know, it's not always about the companies either. It's also about those individuals who lead others. They, they actually need to be proactive. If your company is not 
fulfilling your needs for training and education and support as a leader, you need to go out and read. You need to go find information yourself. And I don't, it doesn't mean that so many people, everybody has tunnel vision. They get this book. This is an awesome book. This isn't going to work for me. And they toss it, right? No, I bet you there was one or two things in there that you could relate to. All right. You can relate to them. How can you make them work for you? Right. So if, if, you know, we're telling you to build trust with and, and, rapport with your staff and they give you little ways to do it that might work for 50 percent of the people that you leave but there's another 50 percent that's not going to work for so you got to figure out how you're going to how you're going to relate to them because they behave differently they operate differently you know they may be a more defensive type individual so you have to figure out a way to crack them so you know i say go out and find your own information if you get one tidbit out of what you've read you are way ahead Okay, so you got the knowledge, then you need to put the knowledge in place. And just because it doesn't work the first time doesn't mean it's going to work, especially if you're in an environment where there's no trust. They're not going to trust this new you. They're not going to trust this new approach. Right. So you got to repeat, 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 show that you're there and you're willing, you know, and that's the other thing is a lot of new managers will give up on a process because it didn't work the first time. Well, shit, when does anything work on the first time? Really? <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I agree. And I think um, fundamentally, like for a lot of companies, right, you, you both have like looking at new things and, and doing new things and, and that's difficult, right? But I think fundamentally what you, what you need to look at is also simplification sometimes, right? Because I think many companies really struggle from always trying to do too many things. Mm-hmm. And really what I see effective management being is, I mean, it's 80-20, but it's figuring out what are the things that really makes a difference here. I see so right. many managers trying to run, you know, 40 projects with the teams at the same time. And the thing is, one, they have no capacity to manage it. They don't know what the outputs are. There's no sort of clear goal from the team of saying, you know, this is the one thing we do, or this is the two things we do, right? And I think from a management consulting perspective, at least when I go into a lot of companies, right, just helping them simplify, and and that both in terms of management, but also in terms of just delivering results to the teams, right, is that, that just simplifying and really clarifying your most important goals and clarifying the the sort of vision you have to get there, just it makes life so much easier for people, right? Because yeah. most of the time staff are confused. Like I, I one of the questions I ask in pretty much all staff members when I have a when I have a, a call or a meeting with a bigger company, it's like, what's the company's number one goal? And the amount of staff members that can actually say something that is even halfway there mm-hmm. is scary because they don't know. Right. Because often it's like, yeah, we want to be the best. We want to be the first. We want to blah, blah, blah. It's all thin air, right? right? But there's not very clear and concise goals in most businesses that helps drive what people actually do on a day-to-day basis. And that, I mean, that in principle, that reflects poorly on management. But again, it comes down to this fact that if business owners haven't learned to do it, then the managers won't either. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. again, a lot of that needs to come from the top, right? And 
and uh, yeah. I think if I were to use your example where you have, um, you know, managers that are taking on way too many projects for their team, they, um, to me, that reads either that manager doesn't care or doesn't know how to protect their team. And I, I think there is nothing wrong with pushing back and scheduling things accordingly. So not only to, like you said, to um, ensure quality, right? Because because it is so easy to develop a reputation in the business that you don't know how to deliver projects. I mean, I lived most of my adult uh, career in that in that space, right? It's, so easy when you have a bad uh, project to like everybody else to jump on board and stomp you with two feet, right? So, so not only is it protecting the um, the quality output, but it's also protecting the team as far as mental, like mentally, you know, because everybody wants to be successful and add value. But it's also about okay, you can't have one person working on ten different projects and expect them to have value add on every single one, right? So how are you protecting their team, not only as an individual, but as a department to be successful and to deliver quality and feel valued and deliver value, you know? So I think my what I would say is, I would go back to the manager and go, okay, so what's going on? Do you feel like you don't have a say? in protecting your team with your management, that's a problem, let's work on a script, okay? Or is it because you don't care? That's a problem, you and I need to have a conversation. (laughs) A lot lot of the time- I know you want to protect your team. (laughs) A lot lot of the time, I think the the problem is just that the managers don't know what to do. Like they're so busy just saying, oh, here's a project, let's do it. Here's a project, let's do it. And uh, again, uh, for me, one of the most important business skills for anyone is prioritization and the ability to mm-hmm. understand what's important. And, you know, particularly the difference between urgent and important is is so, so critical, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think I think uh, developing that skill, it's one of the things that I think is critical developing in your staff as well. So if you have staff members that do multiple tasks, like even helping them understand, helping them understand from a business standpoint, what matters the most. Because if you have staff members doing five different tasks, sometimes they won't manage to do them all. Yeah. And is the one they don't do the right one, all right? Do you mind if we pick away at that? Because I, I, I there's one, organi- actually two organizations I've been working with where not necessarily the management, but the staff members learning how to prioritize their work has been a real struggle, right? Um, so I can offer like, you can you can organize your day this way, you can organize your day this way, you can organize your day this way, you gotta find one that works for you, right? Um, you can verify, you can check, you know, all those kinds of things. You can get the two people you're reporting into to make sure that they understand competing priorities. Like we can work through all of that. There are people that just, they have to be told day after day, day after day, what to do. And I am finding like, I'm a bit older. I am finding that this is growing and growing and growing where people just don't want to take responsibility for their day-to-day delivery of what they're going to, you know, when they have competing priorities, they just like, 
they're, it feels like they're more comfortable in the spin instead of um, getting themselves structured. Do, do you see that? Or is that just me? Is that just me and the companies I've been working with? So, so I, I get where you're coming from. Totally. Um, there's definitely by nature, there's people who are better at taking direction and there's, there's people who are more assertive and more, let's say self-starters by nature. Mm -hmm. And there's people Mm -hmm. who generally enjoy direction more. I totally agree. Uh, Again, the the thing is, it's still about if they feel ownership, if they feel valued, they they are still comfortable enough doing things that you don't have to babysit them, right? Right. Um, I, I, again, for me, it's often, it's often down to management style and particularly in terms of understanding how to work with those kind of people because re- reality is any, any people can develop many, many skills, but, but often the most difficult ones is, is um, really changing your natural behavior, right? And if yeah. by nature you are more comfortable getting direction, if you are more comfortable um yeah sort of following someone else's footsteps right it can definitely be difficult but but i've seen it like i've worked with many many entrepreneurs and and there is really entrepreneurs of all types of behaviors right some entrepreneurs really struggle because they're used to being led and Mm -hmm. they struggle to be the leader a lot of the time honestly it's about learning how to make decisions so what happens is, and I've spent a lot of time in Asia as an example, and in Asia, it's a lot worse than it is in, in Europe and the US, but mm-hmm. but often like in Asia, the parents tell you what education to take, what boyfriend, girlfriend to have, and you know your parents will tell you everything. So you, they don't learn to make decisions in life before later yeah. on. And, and that's what we see more and more in the Western world where these kids are basically handheld by their parents for longer and longer and the parents is like oh don't do that and if something happens to them they the parents are sorting it out and i mean what one of my worst experiences that uh, I, I was i was working at ibm at the time and we had a guy walking in for an interview and he brought his mom expecting his mom being able to join him in the actual interview i'm like that 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 simplifies that very very clearly, right? Yes. Like yeah. it's not your mom we hire. I don't care what your mom have to say at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and uh, the fact that you bring her and think she can sit in the interview is enough reason not to hire you, because yeah. it tells me exactly what you cannot do, yeah. and that's stand on your own two feet, right? Um, but I think I think it's it's a lot to do with how you behave with people. Um, I've definitely had a lot of people like that that have learned to be more, uh, not necessarily driven, but l- just learned to take more ownership and responsibility. Um, yeah. But but yeah, that, I mean, always there's people just by nature that just does it. I guess I'm just finding that it's like it's becoming more of the norm than it used to be. You know, usually there was a good balance, and so as a manager, you go, okay, you know. Because, you know, you have to approach each person that you lead in a different way, right? So it's usually a good balance and mix. And now I'm finding that those people who have to actually be told what to do every single day, like creating that environment of micromanagement that everybody says they hate, 
right? And no matter how much the managers back off and go, I've been clear, there's instructions, we've built processes, there's efficiency, so you don't have to do, you know, we are using tools, you know, they're doing all the right things and building trust and open conversations, doing all the, all the right things. And then it's just, it just feels like that group is getting bigger and bigger, which I guess, I guess what I'm trying to point out is my fear is that I feel like management styles are going to switch again. They're going to flip again <laughs> to, to where, you know, it is more dictatorial instead of a relationship and trust built. But yeah, I, 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 I don't think so. I, I think a lot of it, honestly, again, a lot of it comes to hiring. I think if you hire well, you have a lot less of those problems. Right. Um, I think I think great hiring, great hiring is the solution to most problems. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> problem is most of the time you don't really know what you're getting until they, they're there. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think most of the time, like that's, I tell every business owner that the, probably the most important skill for them to develop is recruitment. It, it's and it's yeah. it's networking. It's too many people hire people at an interview. And the problem is, as you say, you don't know what you're getting, right? right? Whereas particularly if you're in a small business, like the first three, four, five, six people you hire in a new company, that's so important. Like if you finally manage to get enough money in to pay the salary for one more right. employee, like if that employee is a total failure, like right. you can literally break the neck of the company, right? Absolutely. So, and, and from my experience, like the absolute best way to get out there and find great people is networking, getting to know people and, and ideally finding people that you know before you have to hire them, right. just because it significantly increases the success of, uh, well, it increased the likelihood of a failed hire significantly. Right. right. Now, reality right. is all hires are human beings and stuff can happen. Right. Sure. You know, sure. sometimes, uh, an amazing human being come to a, a rough patch in life or, you know, stuff happens, they get divorced or a parent passes away or something happened that just pushes them out of course. Right. right. And, and you can never predict that, but, but everything else being equal, right. The more people, you know, the, the, the more, you know, about people before you hire them, the more likely you are to not make a faulty right. hire. Right. Right, right. So. Excellent. Well, I think that was a, that was a great discussion so far. Oh, so just a couple of questions before we finish off. So the first one, what's the biggest mistake you have ever made as a leader? I think I would say earlier in my career is assuming that I understood my team and that they understood me. Just because when I'm talking or working with somebody and I understand what I'm saying, I, I probably didn't spend enough time verifying that they, one, understood and two, were on board. <laughs> so I think, I don't know if I can do one event as far as that, but I think my biggest learning lesson coming up in management, because I started really young through a very bad situation, being thrown into a leadership role. I had to sink or swim, right? So I um, I think the one thing I learned was, yeah, that, that you can't communicate enough. Like over-communication is perfectly okay. And communication isn't always talking. It's also listening and it's... Um, 
clarifying and making sure you understand and maybe not jumping into decisions and taking a step back and thinking about it and then having another conversation. So, yeah, I think my biggest thing, my biggest lesson was removing all the, um, the assumptions. Yeah, I, I, I don't even think over communication is a word. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think you can do it too much. Um, yeah. Fundamentally, right? And I would say, yeah, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I think yeah, yeah. a lot of the time as well, it's it's easy to put your thoughts to put your motivations on other people. And that's definitely one of many mistakes I've done a few times, at least. Whereas that personality, right? That's me. I'm exactly. a driver. I'm a driver yeah. big time. So there are times if you don't speak up and I see your head nodding, that's what we're doing. We're going for it. Right. So I have to like, I have to really pull myself back and go, okay, makes sense to me. Everybody's heads are nodding. Yes. Yeah. But... <laughs> and that's, I, I guess that's one of the other big things, right? Like a lot of the time, really when you're sitting with a team like learning to talk last or learning to get out of your team what they have Being to say comfortable with uh dead silence <laughs> yep but, but but really learning to let your team speak before you do because it is i mean everyone does it it's universal but yeah. when the leader speaks most people shut up or just agree right right and that's right. that's definitely been one of my big lessons throughout the years. So, <laughs> yeah, excellent. Well, uh, last question then: any amazing resources or anything for for a business owner or a manager out there that you know want to up their skills a little bit? What has been one of your favorite resources? Oh man, I'm not prepared for this answer. So I uh, read a lot. I read a lot of books. Um, but yeah, I read a lot of books or I do um, audiobooks if I'm driving or whatever. And again, like I said, I think everybody has a good point somewhere, you know. So I think if you go into them with an open mind and understand that you're not supposed to follow this book from the first paragraph to the last paragraph and like make it work for you, it's, you know, take the information, whether you're watching even a YouTube video, right? Like take the information and understand how you work and understand your team. And is there pieces in there that can elevate your game, that completely shift your game? Like understand that when you're looking for information, that one thing that can change your approach could make all the difference in the world. So I think that's why a lot of people avoid reading because, you know, or just learning because they feel like, okay, this is the script, this person, it's just like, you know, when you read a diet book, right? So, you know, I have to do all these things in order to be successful. No, you have to figure out the one thing in that book that really applies. So I think one thing I would recommend is don't be afraid to just consume information, consume it in your spare time, book in time to read and learn. Yeah. What, what's one book that you really enjoyed then? It is, it is a book that's from the Arbinger Institute. It's written as a story. And essentially it's, it's learning about just in life, not only in management, how to view things from other people's perspective and how we always unconsciously, we look at things as we feel like they should be done. So we actually like kind of create situations. Just uh, lastly here, then, if people have been super excited and enjoyed listening to this, and if they want to reach out to you, what's mm. the best way to do so? 
So there's various ways. So you can find me on LinkedIn. It's just LinkedIn, Renata Porter, R-E-N-A-T-A-P-O-R-T-E-R. Then I have renataporter.com. Um, and then if you're in the sports arena, I have yoursportsresource.com. Or, you know, if you want to send me an email, rp at renataporter.com, it's really easy. I don't have a lot of social media. I do. I do uh, Instagram. That's a bit it. But everything else is on the website. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Renata, thank you very much for joining me today. It was thank you awesome for having me. I appreciate you. it. Wonderful. Excellent. And to the audience, we'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.